Hi guys, welcome back to What's On Your Mind. I'm here today with Aditi Shah. She's a yoga peloton instructor, a Puma athlete, and she's been featured in Vogue India, Today Show, and so much more. She's also an actor, and she's here today to tell us about her journey. Enjoy, guys. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Why don't you, before we get started, give us a little rundown of who you are and what you do and all that jazz. Uh, sure. I mean, I'll give you the cliff notes, I guess, which is just that I currently, I teach for Peloton. Um, I teach yoga and meditation and Pilates. Um, but you know, in a previous life, I had other, other jobs. So I came from a really creative life. Um, yeah, I guess life is a lot of twists and turns. I started off studying math, working, thinking about finance and, um, chose instead to have a creative career so I was modeling and acting and I didn't really plan on teaching yoga but decided to teach yoga because it felt good and I certainly didn't think this would be my career but here I am um yeah. and I'm really excited to be here what a cool job mm -hmm. yeah um I actually had found you through I don't you know I'm obviously Aisha Rauji the founder of Kaina I had interviewed her too and she always posts your stuff and I was like okay if she knows if she's talking about her she knows what she's talking about and I remember looking through some of your classes and I was like wow this is amazing and you know mindfulness and yoga has become a larger part of my life too especially in the midst of the pandemic and you know the stress and chaos that everyone was facing so um it was really inspiring to see how you've really made this into something so much bigger than just yoga thank you that's very kind yeah. of you to say of course yeah, Aisha's a I mean an incredible obviously businesswoman but also a really great friend yeah yeah um all right so before we dive into it more but I want to take us take us through a little bit your journey with yoga and finding yoga and meditation and even mindfulness sure um yoga and meditation i was introduced to it in growing up um but really not as it wasn't something i would say like my parents didn't practice it regularly or anything like that they definitely did not have time for that you know but um but i in the way that a lot of people probably still do in india they had a teacher come to the house you know once in a while i guess i, I just i had this one very clear memory of it and um and yeah, and teach a yoga practice, which was very different from what I teach now or what we see now, but at least introduced me to the idea that yoga existed, that yoga was um, more than just a physical practice. Mm -hmm. And also um, was introduced to meditation actually you know, through a sadhvi randomly. Wow. And yeah. And so, you know, I knew these things existed. I didn't really, I didn't really know how to relate to them at the time. Right. I was such a, um, I, I was just such a, like, I wouldn't call myself a wild child, but I was, I was an active child. All right. I yeah, was like, yeah. Just wanting to move a lot. Um, love to climb trees, be outside, be barefoot. Like I, I was a tomboy and I played a lot of sports and I didn't really know how to slow down, but I also didn't know the value of slowing down. Mm -hmm. I also grew up, um, my family is Jane. And so I think it's helpful to, <laughs> um, it's helpful to have had a, a cultural background. I'm just like watching your face in shock, but it, it's helpful to have had a cultural background that relates so much to the philosophy of yoga, yeah. right? It's like, 
Yes. All of a sudden, when I got older and decided, I got curious, really, I got curious. The answer is I got curious. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. at the time, there were all of these, it wasn't this huge thing that had blown up yet. There were a few studios, but I was just seeing, I was experimenting, seeing what's out there, trying out like a David Swenson video. Yeah. Trying to figure out who Rodney E was. And, um, (laughs) I, after college, moved to India and I decided not to pursue finance and, you know, I'd always wanted to have a creative life, but didn't really know where to go at the moment. And my, the reason I moved to India is because my parents moved to India, to be clear. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I ended up moving on my own. Like my parents live in Bangalore. I chose to move to Bombay. But at the time when I was in Bangalore, that like minute in between being in school, working, and then figuring out what to do or what to do next was this moment of real anxiety and real sort of groundlessness where I didn't know what I was going to do. And this practice that I found made me feel better. At the end of the day, I was like, this made me feel better. So I was just going to do it because, you know, why not? I needed it. It it was like just a part of my life at that point that I didn't think was going to go anywhere. And I've told this story a million times. My mom, I remember we were in India and my mom was like, why don't you, you're in India. like why don't you just go get certified like maybe you would want to open a yoga school or something and I was like no I just want to practice for me I'm not interested in in doing that and then you know as I continued I moved to Bombay I started a creative career I I was like you know maybe I do want to when I retire open a yoga studio or something but at the time I was still just practicing found like some studios and teachers there and when I started learning about what was behind this sort of physical movement practice because when you go to India it's like everybody knows that there's something more to it but it depends on where you go and who you're working with, if that something more is defined or not. And that's totally okay. I think that's okay. But I got curious and started learning more. And that's when it was like, a lot of things fell into place for me just because I had already had this background, which I think is such a gift. Um, I I came to the US to do um, a summer at Sela Adler. And I was like, maybe I'll just do a yoga teacher training because I want to learn more if I want to one day make this something I do, I should take some time to learn. And so I did a teacher training. I ended up signing with some agencies in New York. I decided to stay at least for a while. And I went to a studio to see if I could get a job. Honestly, at the time, I I remember sitting down and having lunch with the owner and saying that I wanted to open my own yoga studio, (laughs) Um, which I very soon decided I did not. But especially in New York at the time, it was just like there was a yoga studio every other block and, I, and it was just so crazy to run a yoga studio. But I didn't know that at the time. And the way I got involved was I went and wanted to have, there was like an open operations position that got filled internally. And they were like, why don't you do the mentorship program? Um, that's how a lot of people get hired here. And part of the mentorship program was also teaching. And to me, teaching just sort of felt like being a fish in water. And I didn't even think about it, but I had already been teaching, right? Like I, I was so into it that like with my friends, my friends would like ask and I would teach, but it wasn't like a, I never thought about it that way. I was just sharing something that I loved or that I found helpful. And I think that's really the root of where I started this career, which I never imagined it would be a career, but that's where I started. And I just kept doing that because um, it was really me sharing my experience in a way that felt wholesome almost you know and authentic and and I um four years ago got a dm you know I had been uh, like doing a lot studying and teaching and had a meditation pop-up I I I really 
you know, I didn't love or I didn't know how to love meditation at first until I found the right teachers and the right practice. And I really fell in love with Vipassana. And so I started doing that. Like, so I've done a lot or I did a lot to find practices that worked for me. And then four years ago, Dennis Morton DM me and was like, hey, um, you know, I work at Peloton and uh, we're auditioning for maybe starting a yoga program. And and it's that's awesome. And yeah, that's exactly how it was for me, too. I mean, not the Peloton stuff, but discovering yoga in the pandemic. It's so rooted in all the religion and the history behind it and the Bhagdama and all that. And it's really cool. It's it's really nice to have that foundation because it's something that you can always come back to and really own. But the whole the whole thing that you were, you know, you kind of just went throughout your journey and it kind of fell into place in a way, right? Like a DM. Who who would expect that? That's that's how these things come about, which I think is gotta really check your DMs. Yeah, gotta check your DMs. I gotta kind of show up for what you're doing and it'll eventually unfold. Yeah. What have you found to be for you the most impactful? meditation practices to keep calm? I think it's difficult because I would argue that, you know, I don't think keeping calm is necessarily always the goal. That's my right. point of view. But I, I love Vipassana. Uh, insight, there's like Insight Meditation Society. That's like, I think what the main sort of school is here. But I, I really find that instead of this way in which you're trying to just make everything go away, which is quite impossible, at least for me. It gives us the opportunity to meet what's coming up, to actually look at what's coming up. Because often, actually, as humans, we're not looking at what's coming up, right? right. Something comes yeah. up that's uncomfortable and we want to push it away or run away or be bury ourselves in work so we don't have to deal with it. Yep. Um, so it's this opportunity to meet what's coming up with, with kindness. Yeah. And then to take the learnings, like learn how you relate to your experiences and find ways, like actionable ways to bring that mindfulness practice into your day. So I, that's my, that's what I love. And that's, um, that's what I practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what does your day to day look like? Are there instances where you have to bring yourself back to center? Sure. I think in this day and age, who doesn't have to do that? Very true. I very, very feel true. with the with the news, the media, and the ever changing landscape that we live in, I think it's very difficult to not be reactive in oh, moments and yeah. in stretches. And I also feel that even when we are meeting our feelings or meeting our discomfort or trying to think about what we can do to take care of ourselves and take care of our neighbors and how we can create change. That doesn't mean that there aren't still moments where you feel absolutely enraged or absolutely heartbroken or whatever, you know, insert so many different ways of yeah. feeling. I think that that's just the truth for everybody. But the trick is that for me, already having a meditation practice is so helpful in being able to acknowledge those moments and work with them instead of trying to run away from them or explain them or fix them or whatever, all the different ways in which we don't want to um, sort of meet the present moment really, which is what it is, right? Yep. It, instead of doing that, it, it's an opportunity to, because 
there's this sort of practice that I've already started doing. Yeah. Um, I have hopefully the opportunity to do that when it comes to real life. I will also say that I've just learned so much about myself and the way that I relate to my thoughts and the way that I relate to my feelings and the way that I relate to life through um, these, these meditation practices that, that also helps, right? Sometimes it's like, hey, Definitely. it's a reminder. You Remember, you learned this already. You don't have to believe every thought or feeling that you have. You know, acknowledge yeah. it and pay attention to it and see, you know, like really pay attention to it. But but just know that you don't have to believe it and act on it because yeah. you might change your mind in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I think we convince ourselves of a lot of things. And oftentimes it's like we convince ourselves into things. We convince ourselves out of things. That's what it's right. all about. And not paying attention and not taking everything so seriously, especially when it comes to your own brain and your own thoughts, I think really helps to create a path that is not necessarily always stressful in the wrong way. Uh, I, I, I think I think I understand what you're saying and I completely agree. I think that even though we feel like we're making it better for ourselves by whatever it is that our, our mechanism is, we're actually just prolonging our suffering, yep, right? It's like, yep. it's gonna come up one way yep. or the other, yep. either in a way that you choose to confront and deal with, it, you know, or in a way that you might not want it to come up. Yeah, with yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. How I'm curious as a South Asian woman, as parents who lived in India, as you living in India, how was it, what was that like with your family? If you're okay with talking about this in terms of switching from a math to a creative career, because I know that that can be very difficult for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I do think it's difficult whether you're a South Asian or not. 100%. I do think, yeah, of course, definitely. our culture has, no, I, I completely hear where you're coming from. You right. know, my, my parents... Um, I have to give them a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. they, they have evolved so much and I'm so, I would like, I'm going to cry talking about this, but I'm so proud of them because I really think that, you know, so many, um, and look, I love our community and I love Indian parents and uncles and aunties <laughs> and whatever, but I think sometimes what happens is people move here and they get stuck in the time period in which they yeah. moved yes. and it's like you go back to india and actually india has also evolved but like exactly you exactly you have no go ahead continue continue and and i have to give my parents credit and and honestly like i also my brothers who i think have have forced honest conversations upon them who have who have really who have really created these relationships that are honest that are like i'm not going to pretend xyz because of society or culture or whatever and um like i mean i talked to my my mom about roe v wade today do you know what i mean like i, I don't know there's a lot of parents who i feel like are who are talking to their kids about politics i just yeah, feel like I'm, I'm, yeah i think it's, it's really incredible and i will say for my mom specifically she was always so progressive because she had such a tough life a tough life you know she grew up in a village she had a really she had an arranged marriage from when she was like four she got married so young. Wow. She had a baby really young. She moved to the U.S. She got a degree. She got her master's. She got published. She's like, she's incredibly smart. And she always, you know, told me that I could do anything my brothers could do and really pushed me to learn. And that's why I ended up in math because she, she made, you know, she wanted me to learn math and science and computer programming and all the things that I think a lot of times were, were sort of reserved for boys. And I, I give her so much credit for that because at the end of the day, whether I pursue math or not, I feel empowered to pursue what I want to do because I really believe that if I work hard, 
um, there will be a space for me. You know, that right. like, it, it's not about necessarily, I get it. Yeah, there are some paths where you might feel, and I feel this for my parents. I think they certainly had some, they were definitely a little bit worried at times. Like when you're a freelancer, especially, you know, you might not know where your next paycheck is coming from. And I think that can be tough for a parent for sure. But I have to give them credit for trusting me, for being willing to support me, for 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 giving me enough space to see where it goes when I know that other parents, especially in our culture, might not have. Right. There might have there might have been an ultimatum. There might have been um, somewhere or another a, a way in which I felt forced to do something else. And I will say, I don't think I felt that for my parents. I think my mom, especially, you know, in the moment, I was like, I don't want to do a yoga thing. I don't want to go back to, to math. And she was like, you know, like do the thing you wanted to do. You're not, yeah. you're not getting any younger. I think I have to get, like, they, at the end of the day, she was like, I want you to be happy. If this is what you need to do, how can I help you do this and do this in a way where you're safe and successful? And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to the drawing board, you know, which, and I will say it's probably a little bit easier because I had a degree, but still, right. still, right. Um, my mom is the one who came to Bombay to look for apartments with me. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, when I moved to New York, basically on a whim, my parents moved my apartment out. Like they, you know, like moved, my, <laughs> they moved me out of my Bombay apartment while I was in New York. So <laughs> I give my parents a ton of credit. It's not that it hasn't, it's not that the things haven't been at times difficult to explain of or that they haven't ever been worried. Um, but I think that they are incredible and are able to respect my choices and my career, which is That's really amazing. Cool. Yeah. And it's really nice to see also how that progress, while it's kind of been a little stagnant in the last couple of, you know, years, generations, it's really, it's moving, you know, that, that change is happening. Seeing that you were able to talk to your mom about Roe v. Wade is it's, it's, it's great. And yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's also like, not you know, if I can just, <laughs> use this space as a call to action i think it's on all of us to have these conversations with our parents too because i i think that especially as south asians and there's i feel that the that a lot of the people i know who are south asian and also a lot of people who do make enough money right find themselves in find themselves in a position where they can choose to be apolitical or they feel that their vote doesn't count so then they're apolitical and i think it's so important that we have these really detailed conversations over and over again with each other and with our parents and with our kids so that um, everybody knows that actually it is important that we participate in the world including in politics including in these issues because they do affect all of us and we are we live here you know yep yep and i think one misconception if we're specifically diving into this is that the fact it's not just about bodies. It's also about money. It's about women's equality. There's so much more that- It's about power and money. It is about so much more. And I do feel, I just think it's very easy. And I think about what's happened in the past. And I think about my friends who are South Asian. And I just feel like there's, it is a part of our community and our culture where a lot of people choose to just take a step back. I don't, I I have a lot of theories, but I don't want to say why. And it doesn't matter why at the end of the day. What matters is that in in these moments, we can start to create change, whether it's talking to your parents about something or, you know, voting. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So if this is a place to do something, it's do something. Talk to your parents, talk to people, talk, talk about it, because that's the only way change will actually happen. I want to segue a little bit into acting because you're also an actor and that is also something that is so inspiring to me. Um, 
What was that like for you? What was your first acting gig like? How did that come about? Take us through it a little bit. My first acting gig. Okay, actually, I had an acting gig. My first acting gig, my scene got cut. So we don't have to talk about it, but it was a blacklist. My second acting gig was on Inside Amy Schumer, and it was hilarious. And um, actually, one of my... I, 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 well, I don't remember what the right word would be, but he was also in it. We were both just day players. We had like a few lines. He actually just did his first play on Broadway. And it's like so amazing to watch people, people's careers flourish in that way. Wow. But, um, shout out to you, Eduardo. But um, <laughs> what was that like? It was tough. You know, I did. I, I started modeling. I will be honest and say that while I love being creative, and got to work with so many amazing people. I'm more interested in telling a story. Mm. Um, I'm, I love being on camera and I was really excited to move into acting. But when I started, it wasn't the way that it is now. They were not like the way that call sheets work or not call sheets work. The way that auditions work is you kind of get this like write up of, of what character they're looking for, right? It's like, here's what this character's name is and what they may or may not look like and who should play them. And then you get like the rest of the script and other details. And I don't think I ever got a single one of those that was like, we're looking for a South Asian. It was always just like ethnically ambiguous or something along those lines. So that was, that was, that was tough, but um, things have certainly evolved in the best way, which is amazing to see. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you had to kind of give advice to yourself going backwards and being like, all right, well, I'm going into acting, what would you say to yourself? I'm not, sorry, I'm like, hmm, what would I say? Oh, you're- I think there's so many things, okay? I think there were so many moments in which I hedged because I really wasn't sure because I didn't see, and this is, a, I think, a common story, but I didn't see somebody like me doing what I wanted to do, so I was really unsure. And I was like, I'm going to make sure I have a backup. And that's okay. And I'm, I'm completely okay with everything that has happened um, and where I am. But I also think that, that that there is a place also to sometimes just, if you want to do something, do it. <laughs> and, um, and it's like what my, you know, what my mom did for me, which is like, okay, if you, like, do the thing you want to do. You're not, life is going. You're not getting younger. You have this time. Do what you want to do. If it doesn't work, we, you know, we're going to figure it out, figure it out. And you have yeah. to trust in yourself that you will figure it out. I also think you have to, I think one of the things, and this is, I, I don't think I was ever a particularly competitive person, which I think is, is actually, I am happy that I wasn't a competitive person because I think there is space for everyone. But one of the things I wish I had done more was just make more friends and get to know more people. Yeah. I was a little yeah. shy when I first moved and, um, I just didn't, I just wasn't part of, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't part of, I wasn't part of the world yet. So I didn't, yeah. really, I came from a different world. And yeah. I didn't really, if I went to a modeling casting, it was a different thing. But right. when I started off, even being on set, if I didn't know anybody, there was definitely a lot of, I could be, I could be shy. And yeah. I wish that I had had a little bit more, um, I don't know if self-confidence is the right word, but I wish that I, would, I had, I had just like made more friends. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I, I see that too in myself. Not that necessarily I'm shy, but I I don't take advantage enough of the people. Not advantage in a bad way, but I don't of course. speak to other people as much as I should. And I also think it's partially society kind of submissing that and it being like, no, you shouldn't talk to strangers. You shouldn't engage in conversation with everybody. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But I think that 
there's another side to it where you should, you should engage in a conversation with stranger, of course, take your precautions. And I'm not saying like, yep. Okay. I'm not saying that, (laughs) but you know, you should engage in those little meaning quote, meaningless conversations, because in reality, that's where you'll kind of find the most happiness and connection. Those little. Yeah. I also think it's so important to remember that we're all at the end of the day, we're all humans. Like we're yeah. all, like, you know, we think we're so different. Sometimes somebody is intimidating or sometimes somebody has a completely different role, but at the, we're, we're, have, we're sharing a lot of the same experiences because yep. we are all human. So like yep. that has always been a little bit, that's been helpful to me. Yeah. Um, I also feel, you know, when it comes to getting to know another person or, or, or something like that, there's always, especially in New York, there's people are a little bit like, oh, what does this person want from me? And most yep. of the time I don't want anything. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm like, I actually don't have an ask. Yeah. I love to think I don't I don't like networking but what I do like truly is making friends and I like to think about I like to go into something with sort of the question in my mind being like well what can I do for you like how can we do something together or like do something how can I connect you to and I think that's a much nicer place and then it's an easier conversation too exactly starting a or starting a friendship you know exactly what can I give you let's just have a conversation why can't we just talk you know why is that necessarily and if somebody is doing something really cool it's like amazing like yeah support the really cool thing you're doing (laughs) exactly exactly and that's it you know it it can be that simple yeah i i definitely think that's true i also love your smile so much every time you smile i'm like oh my gosh it's so gorgeous so thank you of course of course um what is the best advice you've ever received I'm going to, I'm going to have to come back to this one or, or call a friend or something. I can't <laughs> what about the worst advice? I don't know. I will say one thing that I have learned, I can't like pinpoint necessarily the worst advice, but something that I have learned is that it's super, super important to learn where you turn the volume up and where you turn the volume down mm-hmm. because especially the South Asians, right? There are a lot of for example, I didn't see Mindy Kaling until I grew up, yeah. right? So I didn't necessarily know this roadmap. And I think it's, there are a lot of people for whom if there is no roadmap, they're going to assume it's impossible, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, you don't have to listen to those people. Yeah. Because maybe you're going to build a path where there isn't one. Right. And so I think it's yes. super important to turn the volume down on, on the voices that are perhaps coming from a place different from where you are. It's not necessarily bad or malicious or wrong in any way, but maybe it's not the voice you need to hear or the advice that you need to adhere to. Whereas there's other people who I think maybe have the experience or have something that you want to to glean or are simply just there for you or supportive and yeah. you can turn the volume up on that or you can it's it, that could even be inside voices right those could be right. voices within you yes that are either um making you think like i'm gonna work hard and figure this out or like i'm never gonna get there and you get to choose like which one are you going to really turn the volume up on and turn the volume down on so i think that that's really I can't remember off the top of my head the bad advice, but I will say that I definitely had a lot of bad advice as a model around like how I should change my appearance or how I should manage my career. And I think that that's really when I realized without being able to put it in these words that I have now, that's when I realized that you don't have to listen to everyone. Like, yeah. They don't know you and they don't know what you want to do and they don't know the world that you live in. They live in their world. And and again, nothing against them, but you don't have to listen to them. 
Right. Because to each his own, everyone's their own person. And something that works for somebody else is not going to work for everybody else, you know? Yeah. In terms of content creation and strategy, what have you found to be the most impactful and effective? I know you're laughing, so I'm going to just let oh you know. This away. is like my, this is like the, the weakest link of my life right now, I think. Um, but finish your question. Okay. Most effective strategy. Most effective. Yes. Cause again, to each his own, but what has worked for you? So I think one of the reasons that I have a platform or community mm -hmm. is not because I'm an incredible content creator, but because I have a platform on Peloton where I share a lot of content. Yes. Yes. Like of course. the content yeah. is actually my classes and some of that translates to other platforms. And certainly I do spend time making content for those platforms, but I don't think it initiated from that. I think it, it initiated from me sharing through Peloton. And what I've learned on no matter what platform you're on, I think the most important thing is to be yourself. Yeah. You're going to have to be that person a lot. So, mm -hmm. so I think it's important to be yourself. <laughs> and I think there are times when it feels scary. I will say as a meditation teacher, when I first began, I had to write out scripts because I was so nervous to talk about things that felt wow. And it's the same way with Instagram now, right? I'm like, this caption feels so close to my heart. Like, this is how I feel, but do I want to say this on the internet? I don't know. And, you know, first of all, live and learn. Not everybody is going to understand you or be your best friend, but that's okay. Because at the end of the day, there are also a lot of people that are going to embrace you for being human and real and authentic. And I think Definitely. that's really where Definitely. I'm at is I don't want to pretend to be better or worse that I am. Um, I'm interested in having really honest uh, relationships with my community and hopefully encouraging other people to also just be a little bit more, feel a little bit more freedom in their lives. Yeah, totally. In terms of implementing strategies in your own life to be the most effective and efficient, what have you found to be the most helpful for you? I've always been a very organized person. And I think now that I have a lot more on my plate that is translated into being very organized with my time. Um, hmm. I, I think that's like, it's so not a cool one, but I think it's one of my superpowers, right? Is like I'm really, really good with time management and organizing awesome. my calendar. And I, I think it's so helpful. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe that sounds so obvious, but that's definitely one. I also think that when it comes to, um, I think one of the sort of things that comes up a lot around this is also the idea of balance and, and how yes, do you, yes. how do you, and I, I don't really know if I believe in balance, but what I think is super important, even if you want a time management, if you want to be a good time manager, even if you want to be really efficient, I think it's just actually being really aware of what your priorities are. Mm -hmm. And if you say something is your priority, but it's not taking up priority level space on your calendar, then maybe it's not a priority. And if it is, then you need to make a change. And I don't think everything is going to fit in your 24 hours, right? But I think it's really important to pause and take stock and then make sure the things that you think are important are fitting in there and that you've actually scheduled time for them. Another thing about me, I'm horrible at text messaging um, because I will, yeah. <laughs> because I, if something, if this is my calendar block for, I don't know, lunch with, with you, then that's what I'm doing. I'm having lunch with you yes. during that time block and I'm not texting. And so um, 
or maybe, you know, I'm not saying I don't ever look at my phone, but I think it's super important to be present. I think that's also really helpful in being efficient because when we're, when, for me at least, when I'm distracted, because it's very easy for me to be distracted, then I'm in neither place. But if I can right. just focus and be in one place, then at least I'm doing the thing that I wanted to do in the one place. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also very important. We're so connected to our phones. We're so like, oh my gosh, and don't even get me started on that. But yeah, I think figuring out also what your priorities are is can be very difficult. So how what questions do you ask yourself in determining your priorities and your values? These are some tough questions. <laughs> um, say that I don't know if I have a list of questions, but I do think that there are some if you're honest with yourself, I think you already know. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like something that's so, is going to very, very true. wrong. Very true. If you feel, if you feel like something is wrong, then something is probably wrong, and that's okay. And I think what's yeah. actually important in figuring out your values is 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 looking at that. So this is, I think, a part of sometimes um, almost it's like a med- it is it can be part of your meditation, meditation. practice almost mm-hmm. right. It's like you start to notice you're feeling discomfort or whatever. Like maybe that discomfort is pointing towards what your values are. Maybe you feel discomfort because you're not valuing something that you actually value or prioritizing something that you actually value, right? So like um, if you're stressed, anxious, depressed, whatever, and the thing that you're missing is spending time with your family, if that's the thing, it's like, okay, maybe you value this and because you're not giving it that that prioritization, you're feeling X, Y, Z you're yeah. feeling guilty maybe or whatever the deal yeah. is. I think that there are a lot of ways to sort of decipher what your values are, even if they don't automatically come into your mind. Um, with priorities, I actually think it's a little bit different. And I think it's different because we're often conditioned in some ways. Yeah. I think our yeah. world is so accustomed to sort of leaning forward, right? We're always thinking about what's next, what I can do more, um, et cetera. Totally. And I think it's very important for us to be able to say no um actually what matters for me is this and i need to actually do this and be here and that can almost be uncomfortable sometimes i think it when you are respecting yourself and respecting your priorities it can feel uncomfortable because yeah. that is so going against the grain of the things that we have been conditioned to believe like no i don't want to do let's say even something that's really i think a really big one or hard one is like um, I think all of us feel like I should do the thing that I need to do or take on more work to get to the next level. But like, do you want, do you want the next level and what the next level means? Do you want to take on that work? And I think that even just asking that question is important. Maybe the answer is yes, and that's totally fine. Yeah. But I think that being able to slow down and actually make conscious decisions based on what you say is important to you or what you want to be important to you. So if I say I want my, my family to be a part of my life, then frankly, I'm going to have to carve out the time for that, right? And if not, I understand that life is going to keep going, right? There's so much to do at all times. And that's not what, I don't think that's the way we've been conditioned. We haven't been conditioned to stop, slow down, and carve out time for chatting <laughs> with your mom. But, but I think with prioritizing, it's very much being willing to go against the grain, be a little uncomfortable. And then I think it changes. There's a shift. You're uncomfortable, yes. you're uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable. And then you're like, wait, actually, this feels good because I am actually living in a way that is is in sync with what I actually want yeah, for myself. Yeah. And 
Yeah. And I think that it's even the kind of thing where you where you say no to a social engagement because you're like, I actually need to take care of myself or, or something along yeah. those lines, which can be yeah. very difficult. Yeah. Um, and it, it it can at times be uncomfortable, but it's so important to put into practice sometimes. Definitely. And I think with both of the things, you have to kind of get uncomfortable with, sorry, you kind of have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like it'll take a couple steps to really get to the place where you're like, this was worth it, but you gotta, you gotta navigate through that first. Like, all right, mm-hmm. it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel odd. I don't want to do it, but you know, I have to, or I should, because at the end of the day, I'm not doing it for anybody else but me. Yeah. 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 A couple last questions for you. Who is your hero? So this is funny because it's the second time I've been asked this question today and um, I was with our like security team and this question came up for whatever reason. And oh. I, I'm like, you know, honestly, I know it sounds like such a cop-out answer, but I do feel like my mom is one of my heroes. Like she's just one of my best friends and is really inspiring to me. Like yeah. I feel like she has so many of the qualities that I hope to cultivate within myself or have, mm-hmm. have, you know, have been working on cultivating with myself yeah. my whole life too. But I, I think she's, um, she's always just been an incredible force. Yeah. And I so admire that. That's awesome. Um, do you have anything on your reading list? Are there any books you're reading currently? Have you read A Little Life? I haven't, but I feel like I've seen the title everywhere. Okay. So I think her name is is Hanya, but I might be pronouncing it wrong. And if I am, I'm so sorry. If anyone's listening to this, please correct me. Let me know. But anyway, she wrote this incredible book called A Little Life. And she wrote another book that came out not that recently, but I just got my hands on it. So I'm hoping to read that. She writes these like they're really long novels. They are. They're, it's it's like gonna be. It's like a whole commitment, you know. Oh, okay. I, like I have. I have yet to get my way through one of those, but I am like a a, a self help book junkie. Oh, that's fun though. Yeah, I feel like you get little pieces from everything, you know. You do, and then you create your own. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I am going to let you take the mic away. Shout out anything you want to shout out your Instagram, oh, whatever. Oh, like where to find me? Yeah. Anything, anything, anything. Uh, okay. I don't know that I have anything specific to shout out. Thank you for having me. Thank um, you for coming. Definitely. If you are listening to this and you're not familiar with Peloton, there's a free trial and you don't, I think there's this, everyone's under the impression that you must have a bike or tread and that's not true. There's Peloton Digital, which is awesome. you can do on your phone, on your laptop. I would definitely recommend a laptop over a phone, but there's <laughs> there's strength, obviously yoga, meditation, Pilates, there's so much available without having a bike or tread. So check that out if you haven't yet. And of course, like come say hi to me. Yes. Um, also, I'm at DT22 on Instagram. If you wanna say, hey, I would love to hear from you. And I guess that's it. Yeah, awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Aditi, thank you so much for coming and I will talk to you guys next week for another episode. Bye.